0: You're listening to This Week in Sports. Hello and welcome, everyone. Happy Friday. It is September 21st, 2018. As always, I'm your host, Anthony. You're listening to This Week in Sports episode 18 and boy do we have a lot to get to. I'm coming in on this one a little bit late, 7:45ish on the East Coast. Hope to have this up in about an hour, hour 15 minutes. But it is iPhone 10s and 10s Max release day, as well as Apple Watch Series 4 release day. And as it just so happens, I have the new iPhone 10s Max, purchased it in the Gold Edition color, and the new Apple Watch Series 4. I'm loving the Apple Watch right now. So responsive, so quick, so fast. I did just, however, find out that the ECG reader doesn't launch yet on this new Apple Watch, so I have to wait for an app later in the year, which is a little disappointing, but coming from the original the og apple watch much faster much more responsive and i'm loving it i'm actually recording this episode from my new iphone 10s max so this is going to be fun um there is a great deal of stuff to get to and we're going to get to all of it i was contemplating almost not showing up for work today i didn't want to see be seen in public I was a mess. I was reeling after that Jets game last night. We will get into that first. We will also talk about Tiger Woods. He is making a nice run right now. Okay. We will also talk about all the week three games coming up this Sunday. We'll get into some baseball real quick. Yankees and Red Sox just played a three-game series. All that a whole lot more on this week in sports. Let's go. All righty, let's jump right in. We start with the Jets and Browns game from last night, Thursday night football that is. And as a as a huge Jets fan, I'm one of the biggest Jets fans you'll ever meet, you'll ever find. I root for this team with everything that I have. I put it all on the line. I have to sit through the worst of the worst. No, we're not the Cleveland Browns. So, hey, I was going into last night's game pretty confident. The Browns, much improved team. I have been telling people throughout the offseason and throughout my time watching the Browns on hard knocks this season, I really liked what Hugh Jackson was putting together. I liked the veteran coaching staff, Todd Haley, Greg Williams. I liked the mesh of veteran guys that they brought in. Tarod Taylor, Carlos Hyde, Jarvis Landry, getting back Josh Gordon, who coincidentally enough, the Browns just traded to the Patriots for a fifth-round pick this past week. So very, very, or this week rather, very, very interesting stuff. There There was a lot going on. The Jets coming... Into this game as a three point underdog, and I really like the Jets in this one. Although it was in the back of my mind, the Jets are still the Jets, and I was so disappointed after Week Two's performance. It just it, it killed the momentum from Week One against the against the Detroit Lions, and then they laid the egg. Against the Dolphins, it was really, really hard to. That was that was the Jets of old, and that's what frustrates me more than anything from Todd Bowles. And that's what I saw more of in this game last night. And that's what's so frustrating. It's not simply the fact that the Jets played their third game in ten days. Maybe they're tired. They still have not gotten a Marcus May to play. He has not played once this entire season. So hopefully, ten days rest. Till we play next Sunday, maybe he'll finally make his debut this year, but one of the young safeties in that secondary for the Jets, he's going to be a huge part of this defense, the defense was phenomenal to start this game, Tyrod Taylor was 0 for his first six passes, I believe, which is his worst, the worst start of any game to his career, the Jets bottled him up, they sacked him five times to start this game, okay, five sacks, they were doing great, and I actually picked up the Jets' defense. I did overpay, as my friends let me know, but a few Jets fans in the league, I thought that maybe, just maybe, somebody would overpay, and after that performance in Week 1, I loved what I saw from that defense, so I decided to go out and pick them up because the Saints weren't getting the job done. The Jets looked good to start, but this game was predicated on one play, and that's when Tyrod Taylor was injured. Before Terod Taylor got injured, he was missing throws, he was all over the place, he was a mess, and the Jets got out to a, not a surprising, but a nice 14-0 lead. They weren't blowing the roof off the place, but they were doing a serviceable, serviceable job, and they were moving the ball down the field, and two Isaiah Crowell touchdowns, which he had to be very excited going back to Cleveland. He was on this team. Every highlight they show of the Browns winning their last game 635 days ago was Isaiah Crowell scoring a touchdown against the San Diego Chargers December 24th, I believe, of 2016, so almost two years ago. So he was very excited, gets those early two touchdowns, and what does he do after the one touchdown? He proceeds to take the football, and his celebration is he wipes his behind area, his buttocks, as Forrest Gump would say. And then he takes the ball and he throws it into the stands as if, you know, the football was Charmin and he was, you know, wiping his butt. And he immediately got flagged. And when I, I didn't see this at first. I had family over. It was my mother's birthday. Shout out to her. But I was watching the game. I happened to not pay attention, you know, they scored the touchdown, I was like, okay, I turned around for a second, then my friends were texting about his celebration, did you just see that? That was, like, the no, most ultimate touchdown celebration of all time, then I I see it on Bleacher Report and all over the internet, so I watch it, and I was dying, hysterically laughing, laughing so hard, because I thought it was hysterical, and then, you know, the game progresses, and we all know what happens, but afterwards you have to take a step back. As a fan, yes, I'm I'm still young, 26. I thought it was I thought it was funny, but looking back, it's the lack of discipline. Okay, it's the little things that the Jets continue to do on a weekly basis, game in and game out. As a Jets fans, no, it's the the saying, same old Jets my brother texted me immediately after the game and said, same old Jets. And it's frustrating because I'm going to hear it every day from Giants fans. I'm going to hear it from Eagles fans. I'm going to hear it from everybody because being a Jets fan is nothing but misery. I have not seen a Super Bowl championship in my 26 years of existence. Okay, I've seen two AFC championship games that they blew. That's it. And that was eight years ago, the last time they made the playoffs, I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick three years ago absolutely crumble in Week 16 when the season was on the line for a chance at the playoffs. And yeah, uh, what has Ryan Fitzpatrick done since he left the Jets? Oh, that's right. He started uh, this year for the Bucks and he is setting records, throwing for over 800 yards in t- in his first two games and just leading the Bucks to... The stratosphere. They're two and zero right now. They've beaten the Saints and the Eagles. Okay, no, no slouches by any means. Two teams that could easily be back, be in the Super Bowl this year. But it's ridiculous. I mean, the Jets got out to a fourteen nothing lead, and I was feeling great about this game. And then what happens? Terod Taylor gets hit in the head, and he goes under the tent concussion concussion exam right concussion protocol well, guess what? Not only does the crowd start chanting for Baker, 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 the number one overall pick in this year's NFL draft, it was Baker time. I don't, I don't know if there was an actual prognosis. I assume it was a concussion for Tyrod Taylor, but Baker Mayfield comes into the game in the second quarter with about a minute, 42 seconds left and he is throwing darts. Okay. He, he throws a strike, first pass, and you could just hear it. The stadium has completely flipped. They're down 14-0. It sounds like they're up by 14. And he starts to move the ball, and they're getting in field goal range. Luckily, the Jets got a strip sack. The Browns' offensive uh, lineman picked it up and immediately started to run for like an 8-yard gain, and I'm like, oh my god. But then luckily... The refs got together. He cannot advance the ball, so it was brought back as a sack, second and 18. They got away from it. No points scored, but you could just feel the switch in momentum at halftime. Jets come out in the second half. They start with the ball, okay? The Jets started with the ball, and this is the drive of the game that I thought they needed to come out strong, push this lead to three possessions, and they just weren't able to do it. And instead, instead of being able to do that, the uh, the Jets couldn't stop a nosebleed in the second half. I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad that, that Baker Mayfield was lighting up the so-called New Jack City. They couldn't bring him to the ground. They couldn't they couldn't for. i mean, they were forcing him out of the pocket a few times, and he was just making throws. Then there was the lack of discipline on the part of the New York Jets, the penalties, okay? The penalties absolutely killed the Jets, and it killed them last week as well. And this is why I everybody says same old Jets, because Todd Bowles has been around here for a A while, okay? We all know what Rex Ryan brought to the table, the two AFC Championships games. But in the end, he kind of, he's a player's coach. He kind of let it get away. And the Jets were just not a disciplined football team, one of the most penalized in the league. Todd Bowles comes in he's the disciplinarian he's gonna get these guys you know in shape if they do anything out of line they're gonna they're gonna uh, pay for it and every week he comes on the radio and he says penalties are a problem and he's gonna clean it up and if they get penalized they're doing push-ups and yada 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 says all the right things but then when it comes time to executing on the field they don't get it done. Jermaine Johnson gets a stupid, stupid penalty on third and 10. He takes the ball and shoves it into Jarvis Landry's chest on the sideline after an incomplete pass. Oh, penalty, first down. Holding calls on third downs. Holding calls that result in only five-yard advancement, but those are automatic first downs, and they are killers. The Jets had two of them last week against the Dolphins on third-down sacks. And they continued the drive and ended up leading to points. So it just cannot happen. And this is how bad this is how bad the Jets were. They failed to make the adjustments. So they went into halftime. And all I'm hearing is before the game, Todd Bowles, the Jets studied. He says the Jets studied a lot of Baker Mayfield tape. Well, if that were the case, how come they came out in the second half, couldn't sack him once, Baker Mayfield finishes 17 of 23, okay, which is ridiculous, 17 of 23. 201 yards no touchdowns but he did catch a two-point conversion which again that was when the game was 14 to 12 they needed the two-point conversion to tie the jets i believe either sacked him or yeah they they sacked him i think it was like an interception basically but there was a flag on the play and they were offsetting i think it was a hold on the offense but there was also a penalty in the secondary and it resulted in the browns going for getting a second chance at a two-point conversion, and they had a little trickery, and they brought Jarvis Landry around the edge, and he got the ball, okay, and he threw it to Baker Mayfield for a two-point conversion. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. So the game was then tied at 14-14, but Mayfield catches the two-point conversion, no touchdowns, but it's pathetic because Terod Taylor was four of 14 for 19 yards, and he was sacked three times. So, I thought he was sacked a couple more times, but he was sacked 3 times. And if you want to compare compare it to 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 get a sense of how bad it was, Baker Mayfield played essentially one series and a half. So, a half and then one extra series. Sam Darnold, the number 3 overall pick in this draft, just 2 picks after Baker Mayfield, he was just 15 of 31 for 169 yards and those two interceptions at the end of the game. It was so bad. I, I i don't understand what happened with the play calling because early in the first quarter, the Jets did some crazy play where they ran Darnold all the way to the right side, and he actually threw back across the field to the tight end Herndon, from uh, the rookie from Miami, and he caught the ball for about a 5-yard, 67-yard loss. Did they not learn their lesson in Week 1 when he threw a pick-six on his first pass attempt to start his career? Did they not learn when he threw back across the field? The play calling has got to change. They have to open it up. The only saving grace in this game last night was the Quincy Anunwa wide receiver like bubble screen that they were running. The Browns couldn't stop it all night. It was un- I could not believe they-, they didn't know it was coming or they just couldn't stop it because I was looking at the TV and I saw it coming. And I'm like, there's no way they do this again. There's no way this is going to work. And it did. And yes, the run game early was was a big part as well, but that that was not a factor in the second half. Really, the Jets' offense looked like a peewee offense. I don't I don't understand what Jeremy Bates is doing, what this coaching staff is doing. I understand he's a rookie. There's going to be growing pains, but you got Robbie Anderson, who's a speedster who can just take the top off of the defense. You got to keep them on their feet and at least give it a shot down the field. The Jets were making no pa- were making no pass attempts down the field, in the middle of the field, 20, 30 yards downfield. There was nothing, no big shots. The players said after the game, they wish they would have let us, you know, let, him, let Darnold take some shots. And if the players are saying that, you, I mean, it, it's got to ring true. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. But there's something has to be, has to change. You have to go to halftime and you have to make adjustments. I get it. They're up 14-0. What adjustments can you make? But there's always stuff to get better at. And then you have to make adjustments in the moment. The Jets didn't do that. And Todd Bowles never seems to be able to make those adjust adjustments on the field. And the lack of discipline is those penalties. Isaiah Crowell knew damn well when he wiped his ass with the ball that he was going to get disciplined by Bowles. But it seemed like he just doesn't care. And that's the problem with a lot of these guys. If you want the other team and the other team's fans when you're on the road to get mad at you for a touchdown celebration, how about this? Don't celebrate. You would piss the fans off and the other team off way more if you just quietly run into the end zone and go about your business, hand the ball to the ref. That's it just go about your business. Why do you have to celebrate? I get it. The fanfare, everybody likes it, but we see what Odell Beckham did when he pretended to be a dog and pee on the ball. It's not a good look for the organization, and it causes dissension amongst the players. Certain players don't like to see that, and as a fan, yeah, I like I, in the moment, I like to see it, but it results in a penalty, and it just proves your lack of discipline and your lack of care for your teammates, that was all about him. That's that's the main issue here. That became all about Isaiah Crowell. And, okay, you want to do that once on a touchdown, great. It's not. It might not affect the team that much. But then how about the other guy when he gets in a shoving match with, with Jarvis Landry and he pushes the ball in, in his chest, Jermaine Johnson? It's becoming about themselves and about personal vendettas, and it just proves to me that the coaching staff doesn't have a grip on this team and doesn't have a handle on this locker room and when you start to lose this is going to be impacted way more so and it's going to get way worse. There's no reason that Sam Darnold should have only had 169 yards passing and two interceptions. It was a it was a joke. They could not put up points and the, the only the only thing I I could say in the second half that that I liked was after the Browns tied the game, it was make or break and the Jets made it down the field and they got three points out of it. But still they they kept running the ball and they were being too conservative, and they, it seemed like they were trying to just settle for that touchdown. And I cannot, uh, I cannot utter this any more clearly. I said it to my dad, who was watching the game with me. Third and goal, Jets up 17-14, around two and a half minutes left or so. Browns are about to go in and take the lead. I watch as the Jets line up. Jets have three timeouts. This is the game. It's on the one-yard line. Game, set, match right here. I could just feel it. Jets and Sam Darnold as a rookie, they don't have it to in them to run down the field and score a touchdown with three timeouts and a two-minute warning. It's just not happening. The Jets go to line up, and you see Steve McClendon, I think it was, and one other uh, Jets player. I don't know if it was uh, Leonard Williams or not. I can't quite remember. They were on their knees, huffing and puffing. You could tell, as soon as I saw that, I said, you have to call timeout. Todd Bowles, please call timeout. This is the game on the line. You have to hold them to three points here. If you stop this, they're not going to go for it. They're going to take those three points. You have to call timeout. You still have a two-minute warning. You can save this if you stop them. What happens? They don't call timeout, and Carlos Hyde walks into the end zone. That was your game right there. Jets got the ball back. They have a fourth down in like their own 25 they decide to go for it, which that tells you all you need to know right there. In in the case of Todd Bowles and what he thinks of is a team's ability to stop the Browns, if he punts, they get a miracle fourth down completion, a miracle, a a, a tiptoe like a freaking uh, fingertip catch by Jermaine Curse. Okay, and I was excited for a split second. And then I I looked to my dad and again, and I said, I can't even be that excited about this play because I know this next play is going to be a disaster and it's going to be a turnover. And the next play, I called it. That's how bad it is being a Jets fan when you just know the negativity, you just expect them to lose and to cough it up when they need the game winning drive in the most, in the, bi- in the biggest of circumstances, they just can never seem to get it done. I watch other teams. I watch Aaron Rodgers. I watch Kirk Cousins. I watch, you know, Pat Mahomes now. I watch all the big-time players. They're able to lead their teams to fourth-quarter comebacks. You're Andrew Lux. I mean, it, it's just the Jets don't have it. I don't know if it's an organizational thing or a quarterback thing, but this game— I'm not going to blame Darnold. I'm not going to put it on him. It's a lot of the coaching, and it was the defense. They could not stop Baker Mayfield in the second half, and it was a joke. The Browns get the, their first win in 635 days, and it comes against my New York Jets. This was so bad that I I couldn't go to sleep afterwards. I could not even process this. I wanted to, to just—I don't know. I, I didn't even want to go to work this morning. I— was furious. I was embarrassed to show my face in public. Everybody knows that I'm a Jets fan. I was mortified. I was totally, totally mortified and petrified to even go to work because I could just, I I couldn't even, I couldn't even focus. It was, it was the worst loss I've witnessed, I think, as a Jets fan, more so than the butt fumble game, more so than anything. This was the low point for me because it was the Cleveland Browns. And I know it's not the same Cleveland Browns, but this was basically the same exact New York Jets team that I've always seen. And it was way worse because they lost to the Browns. And everybody saw this coming, apparently, because they were talking on the radio. This is the game. The Browns have had two close games that they should have won if they had a good kicker and yada, yada, yada. And all I heard before the game was the Bud Light promotion. The Bud Light promotion. And the Bud Light promotion was throughout the city of Cleveland, because they are itching for that first win in two years. As soon as they get a, a victory at home, I don't know if it was at home or uh, in general, but I believe at home, there was all of these coolers throughout the city, different places, bars, areas, wherever, throughout Cleveland. As soon as the Browns won this game, or their first game, these, these locks on these coolers were going to automatically unlock okay they were going to send a signal unlock and free beer for everyone or as however many they have like 200 beers each in these 10 coolers throughout the city and they were waiting for that and they got the new kicker this week he actually looked decent he made a he made a couple kicks no no uh no mistakes from him and yeah it was just it was one of those things where the i think everything leading up to this point was it? It was destiny almost for the for the Browns to win. And I I have to say, a little part of me want believes just a tiny part, just because I have to process this somehow as a Jets fan. A part of me believes that they rigged that Tyrod Taylor injury. Meant now, many people were saying Baker Mayfield was going to play the second half regardless because Tyrod was playing so poorly. That maybe that very well may be true. But I don't know. I never really got an official word on tyrod taylor and i just feel like it was a little fugazi that he got hurt and the jets were up 14 nothing and they blow a 14 point lead that's what makes it so bad it's not so much and i tried today i took a step back and i processed it and i'm thinking to myself listen this is a young jets team they're not really supposed to go anywhere yeah there's an outside chance at an eight and eight nine and seven ten and six record possibly a playoff spot unlikely but you know you could hope They had to play three games in 10 days to start the season. Now, any team, that's going to be very difficult. Now, they got off to the hot start in week one. We all know that. Week two at home, your home opener, and you lay an egg against against the Dolphins. And then you have to come back and prepare on a Thursday night, which we all know how the Thursday night games can be. Just duds, low scoring, yada, yada. And yeah, it was it was a trap game. It was it was the one of those games where you you had a sense that they might lose. I was confident with the fourteen point lead that we were gonna win this, but that's because Tyrod Taylor was in the game and we were dominating. Once he left, that was it. That was your ball game, over. Jets lose. But this is what I've been telling people. And don't I mean it's it's not likely, but listen to me. I have a weird sense about these things. The Jets now have a full 10 days to get ready for Jacksonville. We all know, okay, yes, Jacksonville lit up the Patriots. Very impressive in that rematch against the uh, Patriots in that rematch of the AFC Championship game from a year ago. But it's not the same Patriots team, and the Jaguars only put up 15 points against the Giants in week one. With that being said, the Jets have 10 days to prepare. The Jaguars are not an unbelievably great offensive team we don't know Leonard Fournette I would assume will be back to playing that in that game but listen we Blake Bortles is not a good quarterback if the Jets can get pressure which I think they can and force Blake Bortles to put the team on his back that's not what they're about then the Jets might have a chance in a low scoring game okay I like I want to see what the spread of that game is because if it's within seven I do like the Jets a lot and you might think I'm crazy, and I have no reason to believe in the Jets. Granted, Darnold going up against that vaunted Jaguars defense and secondary is very scary. They would have to find a way to move the ball, and it starts. it's going to have to start with the run game. Their pass defense is going to be very good. It's going to have to start with the run game, but I really do believe, mark my words, the Jets, 10 days to prepare. They're going to be a different football team. Marcus May will hopefully play. I think the Jets have a good chance in that game. I'd like to see what the Jaguars do this week, but we'll see. I really do think it's going to have to be a bounce back. This might just be me trying to cope with this, and and now that the Jets are 1-2, and two, it's going to be difficult. But it will get better. There's going to be growing pains with Darnold, and we'll just have to see, see where things progress from here. But, yeah, not looking good. Jets dropped their second game in a row, and it was in embarrassing, embarrassing fashion last night in front of the world on Thursday Night Football. Now that the football season is well underway, it's very hard for me to talk about other sports, but we're going to pivot real quick over to the baseball side of things because we had a big, big series between the Yankees and Red Sox, okay? Okay. Three-game set in the Bronx, and listen, Aaron Judge was back. He finally came back, finally got his hit in the second game of this series. Yankees win the first one, nail-biter, 3-2. to two. They come back in the second game, and they beat up on the Red Sox. Luis Severino looked great. The j Hat pitched the first game, and the Yankees win that one 10-1. The Red Sox didn't look the same. Mookie Betts was a little banged up. He sat that one the first game, I believe. And then last night, the Yankees were down early, and then John Carlos Stanton hits a grand salami. It I think this yeah, that made the score six to four. But in the end, it was ultimately too much. The Red Sox come back. They they put up a crooked number. They end up winning eleven to six. They went eleven to six, and the worst part about this was the Red, the Red Sox. Excuse me, needed to win just one game in this series to clinch the American League East division. And what did that mean yesterday? That meant that they got to celebrate with champagne in the visitors' locker room at Yankee Stadium. If that's not motivation for the postseason, I don't know what is. The Yankees are a million games behind the Red Sox. Doesn't even matter. It's all wild card right now. And the crazy part is. The Oakland A's are on fire. It's ridiculous. It is scary how good Oakland is. They won 21-3 yesterday. 21-3. And the playoff race is so tight right now, the Yankees hold just a a one-and-a-half game lead over the Oakland A's. If the Yankees have to go to Oakland for a one-game playoff, forget about it. Forget about it. It would be a disaster. Okay? Um... Good sign is Luke Voigt hit a couple of home runs again. So he's got, I think, 10 or 11 now on the year. And the Yankees set a record for most players, 12, I believe, with 10 or more home runs, which is just incredible. And they have the most home runs in ba- in franchise history now, over two hundred, like forty six, I believe. But none of that means anything if they don't win this one-game playoff against the Oakland A's and then get to the divisional series against the Red Sox. So we've got to see how it plays out. The Yankees finally get judged back, a little bit healthier now. They're starting to hit. They need the pitching to come alive and stay strong, and they need to get the job done and move on and get through that that one-game playoff. They did it last year against the Twins. They'll do it again this year, but if it's on the road, forget it. Absolutely no. I think the, I think they'll be okay, but... Not a good night. I did not have a good night last night. The Red Sox beat the Yankees, and my Jets lose to the Cleveland Browns. Just an embarrassment of riches. I cannot enforce that enough. It's just not—if you live with me right now, you know, family, you know who you are, yeah, it's probably not fun for you either the way I've been, but what are you going to do? Uh, such is life, such is sports, and such are the teams I root for. My mom always jokes that you you know sh- you <laughs> the teams I root for just root for the opposite cuz they always seem to lose. And and honestly it's true. But okay, so that's Yankees Red Sox. We'll get into uh, I'll just briefly uh go over a couple things here. The in that Oakland and um the A's and oh my god, I just draw a blank. Sorry. The A's and um Angels game yesterday. They won 21-3. to The catcher for the Oakland A's, Arcia, he made Major League Baseball history. He became the first player ever to catch, pitch, and hit a home run in the same game. So very cool there. Very, very cool. A couple other sta- uh, other playoff spots up for grabs. Some standings to keep an eye on. We've got, oh, by the way, unbelievable. He's not going to win manager of the year, but I would give it to him. I don't care that the Red Sox might set the record for most wins. This guy is ridiculous, okay? Kevin Cash, what he's done for the Tampa Bay Rays is phenomenal. If he's six and a half games back of the Yankees for a playoff spot, they've jumped a game ahead of Seattle and they are now 85-67 and on the season. Nobody and I mean, nobody saw this coming. So just unbelievable job by him. Um, we look ahead to the NL because the AL is pretty much a wrap. The, it's getting tight, okay? We've got the Cubs leading the Central. The Braves are now firmly ahead of the Phillies for the East. And the Dodgers have taken the lead in that in that vaunted NL West, that tightly contested NL West division. We've got Milwaukee Brewers. Three games ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals for the second wild card spot, and then you've got the Colorado Rockies who surged in front of the Dodgers about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, and now they're one and a half back of of St. Louis of a wild card spot. Then Arizona, they made a lot of moves at the trade deadline; they're falling out of it now, five games back, and that's it. I don't think they there there's enough games for them to to, to overcome that. Um, so yeah it's not looking good for, for for some of these teams but that's pretty much a roundup in baseball I don't need to get into anything else really I know that um, Carlos Correa is still dealing with a sore back so he's not back yet Trevor Bauer has been activated for tonight's start the Yankees are playing right now actually against Baltimore have a 2 nothing lead and there was one other thing I wanted. to to mention uh there was something about addison russell he's been placed on leave with the chicago cubs because there's been a domestic uh dispute there with his wife she's making all sorts of accusations so that's been a whole mess um and yeah that's your baseball just to give you a little bit of an update and we'll now move on to the next segment i'll see you back here in just a second
1: Tiger,
0: Tiger, 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 Tiger Woods, y'all. Golf is garbage. Tiger Watch. So, Tiger, how did you play today? Well, golf to come with a slow start. Tiger, Tiger. What wow. hey, is it, Tiger? Yeah, yeah. Tiger. Oh, Tiger, it and even makes Sunday exciting. Tiger Woods is back, baby. I seemingly say it on a weekly basis, but he has been in tip-top shape all season long and now at the Tour championship, nothing less than stellar, okay? He was fighting back all day today. he wasn't hitting any fairways. he still managed to get it done and that's scary because he we know uh, historically throughout this season anyway that he has been phenomenal on Saturdays. So let's see what can happen. but Tiger Woods at the Tour championship at um, East Lake, golf club in in Atlanta Georgia I believe he now holds a 36 hole lead for the first time with uh since 2015 I believe he's tied atop the lead um over oh he's got a two-shot advantage over Rory McIlroy actually right now okay so he's ahead of Rory by two shots and And yeah, this is significant for Tiger Woods, okay? Because like I said, it's been three years since he's shared a 36-hole lead. And just recently, it was the first time when he was uh, tied with uh, Ricky Fowler yesterday for, for uh, for the lead was the first time in a while as well. So he's really starting to make strides and he's really, really starting to turn it on. He actually had, I believe, the longest drive of the week so far 337 yards somewhere about so when he's doing stuff like that that's impressive he's hitting on all cylinders and he's not even hitting the fairways so his sand saves I mean I saw one one um I was watching it briefly earlier and he had a sand save that was phenomenal I mean he's just been he's been great and if he continues this we might finally see Tiger win a tur- a tournament this season I I've He's gotten better and better and better and it's just building and he's continuing to build and make adjustments and improve on his game. All His short game especially has been really good and that's what's propelled him, I believe, in the last few tournaments and that's why he's been in contention so much. So kudos to Tiger Woods. I personally am rooting for him. I'd love to see him get back on track and become the Tiger of old. The sport was never the same without him. And the sport has really evolved, and it's gotten so good now. And now that he's back, it's even more exciting. But it's so great because it's not just one person dominating. There's 15, 20, 25 guys in a given weekend or in a given tournament that can win. I mean, I could name 10 to 15 guys off the top of my head. You know, you've got your Ricky Fowlers, your Jason Days, your, your Rory McElroys, your Tiger Woods, your DeChambeau's. I mean, your Zach Johnsons, it just goes on and on and on and on. And it's crazy because, you know, Dustin Johnson, I could go on and on, like I said. But Tiger is back in contention with these young guys, and he's playing phenomenal golf. We'll see how it fares on Saturday and Sunday, like I said. But but throughout the season, he's been the best golfer on Saturday. Okay, he has the best average on Saturday, so it's really if he can build a nice comfortable lead, he has a really good chance. So we'll see what happens. I'll be watching on Saturday and I'll briefly be watching on Sunday although that's football all day every day for me. But yeah, it's exciting stuff. He's 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 got he's got people enticed and intrigued about golf again and it and it's fun. I will get back into my NFL picks for week three and go over all those games. But first, we've got to talk about this Jimmy Butler situation. So it broke a couple days ago, if you don't know, that Jimmy Butler is seeking a trade. He wants out of Minnesota, and he named three destination teams that he wants to go to. One of them being the LA Clippers, the other the New York Knicks, Surprise, surprise, the third team, my Brooklyn Nets. I was a little bit shocked when I saw that. On a personal level, however, I do not like Jimmy Butler. I'm not a fan of his. He plays, although he does play with a chip on his shoulder because he was not seen as a, he wasn't a high draft pick and he kind of got overshadowed and he plays with a grudge, kind of like Draymond Green. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. I just don't know if he's... The, the type of player you can you want to build your team around. I don't know that he's that superstar-level player or caliber player. It then comes out that he his preferable destination is the L.A. Clippers. Now, I don't know how true this is. I saw this a bit last year when this sort of was first rumored that he wanted out, uh, or last year or, or a couple months ago when LeBron left and everything was getting was going crazy there was reports that carl anthony towns and and jimmy butler are at odds and they don't like playing with one another and towns doesn't want to play with butler and vice versa so that's why butler wants out personally honestly i think that tom thibodeau he had issues when he's a great coach he had issues in chicago I don't know the whole story behind that, but he was very good with Chicago. And then somewhere along the line, it just it went sour. And I think a lot of it comes from that old school sort of disciplinary type of mentality that the coach has. And it's I think NBA, more so than any, any sport, it is so much harder to, to coach a team and, and make them listen to you, essentially. They're making so much more money than you. It's ridiculous, It although they are in every other sport. But NBA, it just seems like these players don't listen to the coaches. They do their own thing, and it's all about them. And I feel like LeBron goes to the Lakers. That West is stacked, and I think Jimmy Butler wants out. I'm surprised that he wants to go to the Clippers, but I think that his best bet would be to come back to the East where it's really Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, and a couple others. The West is ridiculous. You're not going anywhere in the West, although they have a nice young team. But then again, it comes out yesterday or today that Minnesota is informing other teams that they will not be trading Jimmy Butler. So it's it's very weird. There's a clear dissension and disconnect between the ownership in front office and, and Jimmy Butler, obviously, and now they're creating – some foggy turmoil between other teams, it, and we just don't know. Now that could be them trying to push the price up. I don't know. It's very weird. We do know this: Tom Thibodeau is the Wol- is the T Wolves' president of basketball operations and head coach. When they hired him, they gave him full control. They gave him the reins to the to the team, and he has the final say. So, so I mean, if he doesn't want to trade Jimmy Butler then I don't believe they have to. So it's going to be very interesting and this is the part that drives me nuts about professional sports. You're on a team, how is it possible that you and Carl Anthony Towns, two superstars, cannot get along? I mean, you're a young up up and up and coming team, you got traded to this team. What's the problem? You've played here for what, a year or two? I don't understand. This is something we're going to have to monitor and look at very closely, um, and just wait and see. I don't know. I think it's all it's all it's all BS. It's all fodder. I really do think, though. That when I say that, I mean I think that the fact that they're saying they're not going to trade him, listen, they're going to trade him if he refuses to play for this team. Okay, we saw it last year with Eric Bledsoe. He had the meltdown in Phoenix and then he wanted out. They decided not to start, not to play him, sent him home at the beginning of the year, and then eventually he was traded. I believe that if a that's the thing that's that's tough too with sports, these players make so much money and they could they could basically hold a team hostage and say, Listen, I'm not going to play unless you trade me. Okay, that's it. Or I'll play, but I, you know, I don't want to be on this team and it just causes so much inner turmoil throughout the locker room that eventually they have to trade him now I don't know what's going through Jimmy Butler's mind I don't know why he wants to go to the Clippers I don't know I don't I I can't explain it but I know this is something that didn't just come out of nowhere there have been rumors that him and Towns don't get along and that he wants out of Minnesota maybe it's not Towns' fault maybe it's a combination of Towns and he doesn't like Thibodeau or he just he listen some guys just aren't don't like the city that they're in or that's what they claim. I mean, that's what Kawhi was claiming in San Antonio. He's a big city LA type of guy. He wanted to go there. That didn't happen. Maybe the same holds true for Jimmy Butler. I don't know. I mean, he played He played college ball at at Marquette, I believe. So I, I, I don't, I don't understand. That's not a big city. Milwaukee, really. It's, I mean, it's not New York or LA. So I don't know. I think that, LeBron and Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard and all these players leaving and jumping ship and going and starting these super teams I think he feels like he needs to jump on that wagon himself and go start his own super team and there was reports too that he wanted to play somebody play somewhere where there was where he would be a, a superstar along with a second superstar. so he didn't want to be the only piece on a team. so that would pretty much rule out Brooklyn, but he puts Brooklyn in there, obviously with the Knicks because that's New York City and he's clearly looking for LA or New York. So um I think he's a, an East Coast guy. I can't quite tell you if he's from if he's from um uh, New York or not, but something tells me. I, I feel like he is, I don't know. But but again, I don't have too much info on it. This is just something I've been monitoring slightly, and it was kind of big news that, that broke that he's looking for a trade. So I felt like um, I would mention it real quick and just talk about it briefly. So anyway, we're probably running a little late and a little behind on this, on this uh, show. So I'm gonna speed things up a little bit, and we are going to get into... Finally, it is here our week three NFL picks. Stay tuned. Taylor from the end zone. Catch made. Touchdown. Antonio Callaway. Oh! oh, oh. oh. Tyrod Taylor airing it out. So now still throwing. Anything but conservative. Jacksonville. Midfield, Westbrook still in bounce. Bounce Walker up ahead. It's goal. He's racing down the sideline for the touchdown. You saw him show it off there. And wide open is Dean Crookshank down the sideline for a touchdown. Kevin Byer threw it. Crookshank with the score. And how about those tricky Titans here in the first quarter? One safety back in the middle. 15, and... what a catch! Oh, wow! Belcrowed by Cole. Oh, my goodness, that's the best catch easily this year. We can go back here. That's, that's Odell Beckham right there. Look at that. Cousins pressure. Hit as he throws. Going for feeling. He's got it! In between two Packers, ball's bobbling, takes it to his body, and goes into the end zone. Ah, yes, here we go. So it's time to switch it on back, reverse it on back to the NFL. We're going to get through all of the week three picks, and I'll give you my take. I did terribly in week two. I did absolutely horrifically, but just wanted to give you um, some stats here. There were a total of 72 touchdowns in week two. Week one, there were 67, so the number went up a little bit. There was one defensive special teams touchdown, which you just heard. That was the in the uh, Titans game on the fake punt, and there were 18 rushing touchdowns and 53 passing touchdowns. Pat Mahomes on fire. Most touchdowns to first two weeks. He's thrown 10 touchdowns, four in week one, and six in week two against Pittsburgh. That was the lone game that I was that I was correct on. I was so confident that they were going to beat the Steelers. And at the five and a half points that they were given, I thought that was easy. I, I actually uh, picked them to win straight up. The rest of the games, I had Minnesota. They didn't They didn't get it done. They missed a couple field goals. And week two was really all about the missed field goals. I mean, it was ridiculous. You had the Browns missed like five. That kicker out. The Vikings game was unbelievable. The... Vikings come all the way back. There's that roughing the passer call on the interception by Clay Matthews that would have ended the game, but it continues and then the uh and then Kirk Cousins goes down and throws that touchdown, which was the number one play of the week. He if you don't if you didn't see it and you're only hearing it, go find it. It was I mean, I don't know if it was so much a great throw as it was just a missed play by the defender, but he just drops it right in there for Adam Thielen, who gets into the end zone. Then they get the two-point conversion to tie it, and and um, the Packers had a chance to win. Mason Crosby hits the field goal, but then a timeout was called. Re-kick, he misses, go to overtime, and ha- um, the rookie kicker for the Vikings misses, and and they end up tying, I believe, Mason Crosby, did he miss a field goal too? He may, or I think he might have, and then um, shortly after, the Vikings cut cut him, and they signed Dan Bailey, about time Dan Bailey was signed, I picked him up in my fantasy league, I now have three kickers, because I lost Greg Zerline, and just a quick thing, I won my fantasy matchup by 0.12 points, Thanks to a 99-yard touchdown drive in garbage time from Russell Wilson, it was a nail biter. But I pulled through. I'm two and zero in second place right now in my league, and I got off to a fast start last night with Carlos Hyde. So looking good. I could I could end up in first place at three and zero. Not going to count my chickens my eggs before they hatch or whatever. But okay. So enough about week two. Let's get into it. Our week three picks i'm gonna go through all the remaining games we already had the jets game that's fine we're gonna start with new orleans and atlanta atlanta at home in the dome okay we're playing mercedes-benz stadium two and a half over new orleans no way sorry i know what the saints are they start off slow every year now atlanta that was one of the games i got wrong i thought carolina was good enough to either win that game or keep it within six and a half seven they did not do that they they ended up losing by seven or yeah it was i think they lost by seven or yeah they did they lost by seven they were driving towards the end and he couldn't it couldn't have it didn't happen i like new orleans here all day, every day by minus two and a half. Now they, New Orleans has hurt me uh, in the first couple weeks with my picks, but I don't know. There's something about Atlanta that I just don't feel comfortable about. And Devontae Freeman is going to miss this game as well. And I believe Julio Jones, although he's playing, he's dealing with a calf injury. So give me the Saints. Next up, Kansas City, seven point favorites against San Francisco. Listen, the Niners are a decent team. They're one and one, but they're playing the hottest team in football, hands down. Well, that's arguable between the Chiefs and uh, Fitzmagic and the Bucks, but no, I think the Chiefs are the best team in football just right now. It's early, the way they've played. That offense has got it going. We all know Andy Reid can um, shine. He he often shines very very well in the first few weeks maybe the first quarter of the season first eight games or so phenomenal 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 he had the Chiefs at like 10 and 0 a few years ago and they just tanked it and went nowhere and lost in the first round of the playoffs so we all know that he's capable of showing up at the beginning of the year but we'll see if they can sustain it so for right now Pat Mahomes setting records throwing touchdowns to Tyreek Hill baby my my superstar on my fantasy team I like Kansas City by at least by i se- I'll take them by seven. I think they'll win this game by at least ten. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's we've seen some good things. Hopefully, he gets George Kittle more involved. My my fantasy tight end there. I don't know what happened in week two. His numbers went way down. Okay, so next up we have Miami. They just came off the victory over the Jets. Sloppy game. They're undefeated at two and zero, and they get a John Gruden led. Oakland Raiders team that was more improved in week 2 but again they still managed to lose to Denver okay and he's desperate John Gruden is absolutely desperate they're going to be calling for his uh job soon in-, in Oakland after they were super excited to get him I I'm not going to lie they're, they they got to come kind of cross cross uh country for this one but not going to lie this is a game that Dolphins are going to lose. I really see that coming. As a Jets fan and somebody in the AL East, I I need them. You know, I need the the uh, Dolphins to lose this game. But I I just, from a football perspective, if I take a step back and I look as a football as a football fan and a guy that you know knows a decent amount about about these two teams, I believe that the oakland raiders will come it's going to be a sloppy game maybe like 17 14 or something like that or 17 13 or 21 17 i like um miami's by three i i like oakland at plus three on this one i do and i think this one is going to hit the is going to be under the points next up we've got the vikings at home against buffalo listen they're 17 point favorites in the nfl to be favored by that much is scary it's, it's actually scary, but the bills are a epic CF. If you know what I'm talking about cluster, you know what they had a player retire at halftime. Josh Allen is now, is now their, um, their quarterback and he didn't look terrible, but they also don't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. I wouldn't bet on this, but for, 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 uh, these types of circumstances I don't have a problem saying just picking it you know without throwing any money on it I'll take I do like Minnesota by 17 especially since they're at home and they just came off a brutal tie against Green Bay in which they really should have won so give me Minnesota there next up this is an interesting one Philly at home against Indianapolis they're seven and a half point favorites they get Carson Wentz back listen Indianapolis I should have I should have bet on them I should have picked them last week against the against the um Washington Redskins. In fact, I think I did pick them for this segment, but I didn't bet on them and I wish I did because I knew the Redskins were too good in week one that they were gonna come back. They were like a Jets team that nobody expected too much from them and they were dominant in week one and they came out flat in week two and the Colts got the uh got it done there and got the win. Both these teams one and one, but Carson Wentz is back. That's why this spread has is is so high at seven and a half this is a tough one i do think with carson wentz back he is pretty much fully healthy because i they were cautious bringing him back and they wanted you know they knew they had nick Foles so they didn't have to rush him back so i do like green uh philly by seven and a half but be wary this one could be closer than than we think okay washington i just spoke about them they're at home against green bay green bay two and a half point favorites Yeah, um, there's not really much to say. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's fine. You know, he's still going to show up on that injury report with that leg. But come on, it's Aaron Rodgers. He's been great through the first two weeks. And again, another team coming off a tie. They're probably a little angry and a little disappointed they couldn't pull out that victory last week. So give me Green Bay on the road by two and a half. When you have a road team that's the favorite, that's got to tell you something so give yeah i'll take green bay there all right next up we have carolina two and a half point favorites at home against cincinnati listen i gotta give it to them cincinnati looks really good through two games granted they played the colts and the ravens on thursday night football but man i mean aj green with three touchdowns last thursday night first time he's done that um Andy Dalton threw for four touchdowns in the first half. I mean, they look really good, and they're going to play a Carolina team coming off of a tough victory. I mean, a tough loss to the Falcons. Um, They're at home. Everything that's been going on down in Charlotte with Hurricane Florence, I really do believe that this is one of those games. See, I look at—it's I. I it's tough because it's still early, but I, I start to tend— and tend to look at these records, and I see a Cincinnati team that's 2-0, and and I say, listen, their luck's got to run out at some time, and the Carolina Panthers are coming off a tough divisional game against a really good playoff team in the Falcons, so give me the Carolina Panthers by two and a half. I think they can win this game by three easily. I don't think it's going to be an easy win for Carolina, and they blow them out, but minus two and a half, I think... the the winner of this game will win the game by at least three points i don't think it's going to be a one-point game so i do like the fact that they're favored by two and a half and not more okay next up we have tennessee and jacksonville jacksonville's two and oh they're a ten and a half point favorite over tennessee absolutely not as long as marcus Mariota plays which i believe he will there's no way i can't fathom I, i mean tennessee granted They had to bring out the trickery, and they had Blaine Gabbard at quarterback, and they somehow pulled off the win against the Texans, who have been really disappointing. But I just—the Jaguars had too big of a win against the Patriots. This is an absolute trap game for the Jags. They're going to lose this game, in my opinion, and if they don't, there's no way they win by more than 10.5. I would bet bet with serious confidence— that Tennessee keeps this within ten and a half. So if you're a betting man, take Tennessee at plus ten and a half on the road. Next up, Baltimore, one and one at home, five and a half point favorites against a 2-0 Denver team. That's surprising. I have been against Denver all year long. I don't think they're a good team, but they haven't played great talent. They're getting it done. It doesn't. They don't make the schedule. So if they're playing bad teams and they're winning, then then they're winning there's you got to give credit where credit is due john elway brought in case keenum he's done a serviceable job and they got this kid Lindsay lindsey from um undrafted uh, from colorado hometown guy and it's a good story he's like the third leading rusher coming into this week in the nfl and i really like their chances i really do uh, Philip Lindsley has been phenomenal. He's been a bright spot. You've got Royce Freeman. We all know what uh Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas are all about. I don't think that Baltimore is that good either. They got exposed a lot. Joe Flacco really got exposed. I don't know if that offense and Marty Morningwake really know what they're doing at the moment. They try to keep bringing in Lamar Jackson for these small packages, but then Flacco's lining up on the outside as a receiver. He's no threat. He doesn't even get off the line of scrimmage. These plays are just not really going anywhere. They're all run plays and it's no threat. So I didn't like Morningwig as a Jets offensive coordinator. I don't like him with the Ravens. I think the Ravens have problems. I think they're gonna start to hear some rumblings from the fans pretty soon. If Flacco continues to struggle, they're gonna wanna see Lamar Lamar Jackson and it's gonna be like a Cleveland situation. And I, I really do think I think Denver will, will will win this game minus five and a half. If they don't, that's a that's that's a good bet at plus five and a half. Okay, moving on to probably the most interesting game of the week. And I say that because both of these teams are 0 2 and they are absolutely desperate. I think this is the only matchup again uh, of teams that are winless, and it is surprising. I'm a Jets fan, so I hate the Giants, but I'm very, very surprised that they're 0-2. I thought drafting Saquon, new coach, new attitude, revitalize, rejuvenate this team. I thought coming into this year, the whole mess with benching Eli and everything would be out of the way, but that's not the case. They're 0-2. That O-line continues to be a problem. It's a problem when Eli dumps it off to Saquon Barkley about 14 times in one game against Dallas. You're not going to win that way. Odell caught like five passes. Not good. Houston, on the other hand, just lost to Blaine Gabbert, who is not a good quarterback. He was replacing an injured Marcus Mariota, and they still couldn't win that game, although they they showed some signs of life. Personally, I, I, I don't know who's going to win this game. It's in Houston, and Houston's favored by seven. I I don't think I can see the Giants losing by seven. I just don't. So I'm gonna take the Giants in this one. And honestly, I bet on them last week. They let me down. Why not bet on them again? I mean, eventually they have to win. Although ugh, now that I think about it, that's a tough bet in Houston. I can't I can't bet on the Giants. Listen, minus seven, uh, plus seven. I'll I'll take that. But to, for the Giants to win, I I I don't see it. I don't see it. This one's got to go to Houston. I think Deshaun Watson will be the X Factor. And there's no Eli Apple. So I think Will Fuller might have a field day. Okay. Last couple games here. We've got the Chargers at the Rams. Rams are a seven and a half point favorite. Again, the Rams are just leaving, you know, where they. They're starting where they left off last season, okay? Granted, they didn't have a great you know finish to their season, got bounced by Atlanta in the playoffs, but, I mean, the addition of Brandon Cooks has been amazing. He's been their lead go-to guy. Of course, Sammy Watkins goes to uh, Kansas City now, and they bring in, you know, uh, Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley and Jared Goff is really starting to ramp up his game. The Rams— have the X Factor. That's Sean McDermott. He's like one of the, if not brightest young head coaching, offensive coaching minds. He's great. He knows how to put up points. They put up a ton of points. Greg Zerline, the kicker, is out. They signed Sam Ficken, who has kicked for them in the past when Zerline has been hurt. So I don't see any drop-off there with the you know, with the kicking situation. And we saw last week if they have to go for two, they they can convert. You know, he's got a bag of tricks up his sleeve. So the Chargers, not a bad team either, but they're not on the level of the Rams. So I'll take the Rams by seven and a half. Next up, the second worst team besides the Bills in the NFL, that would be the Arizona Cardinals at home against the Chicago Bears. We just saw the Bears show up with a pretty impressive performance on Monday Night Football, beating Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And now they get the arizona cardinals they are on the road but again like i said it's very telling when a road team is four and a half point favorites so the bears are four and a half point favorites in this game again this could be a trap game because i don't think the bears are that good but the cardinals offense is really really bad and they have had a tough time getting david johnson the ball i don't know what the problem is you just either hand it to him or you throw it to him there's talks now that uh wilkins is gonna put uh dj more in the slot and use him there as a receiver more so hopefully that bodes well for my fantasy team but we'll have to see because yeah this this bears team isn't great they're much improved now okay but the cardinals are just so bad that that it's kind of hard to pick them and i really feel bad for for sam bradford having to go up against khalil Mack. i mean We all know his history of injuries. He better be careful and get the ball out quickly because Khalil Mack is coming. He eats quarterbacks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. Next up, we have Dallas at Seattle. This is this one's even. Seattle. They they're 0-2. They've got to get back on track. They're at home. They're going to be itching for the victory. There's not much to say. Dallas just came off a win against the Giants. Doesn't really mean much because the Giants are just in in shambles at the moment. So give me Seattle. I think Russell Wilson, the X factor in this one. And I don't think he'll turn the ball over twice in the fourth quarter. Okay, next up we have Matt Patricia against his former team. That's right, the Detroit Lions against the... New England Patriots. This one is going to be at Detroit, and the Patriots are seven and a half point favorites. Detroit is in trouble. He is in trouble. 0-2. Patriots just came off an embarrassing loss to the Jags. No chance. They're gonna they're gonna score the most points in the NFL this week, if I had to guess. They're gonna win, they're gonna win big. That's a game that you go all in on with New England and take them minus seven and a half. And the Monday night game, this is a fun one. This is gonna be fun. The Giants in Houston game is going to be exciting just because it's two bad teams and we, we're going to see you know, what comes out of that, but this might be the most fun, exciting game of the week. Monday Night Football, we got Fitzmagic, who's lighting it up over 800 yards throughout the first two weeks. No one expected them to be 2-0, and you have the Steelers, who tied the Browns and lost to the Chiefs, and... They gave, they give up a ton of points and Fitzmagic has been slinging it to Deshaun Jackson, to Mike Evans. I like this one to be a high scoring game and it's totally even. I'll give this one. Honestly, I'll give the nod to give me Fitzmagic. You know what? Give it to me. I hate the Steelers. I root for them to lose every game. They have some serious issues, new allegations from stormy Daniels that Ben Roethlisberger tried to come on to her at a Lake Tahoe resort. And she's, like, petrified of him. We all know his past with the bar and the alleged sexual assault allegations. So I don't know. They've got a lot of dissension. I don't know the st- status of Le'Veon Bell. It doesn't seem like he's back anytime soon. You've got Antonio Brown talking smack about, oh, you know, beefing on with people on social media and how they somebody, I think, said that he wouldn't you know, he wouldn't be good on another team. So then Antonio Brown said, well, then trade me. So not looking good in that locker room. And I'm just going to uh, go out on a limb and say, give me the Bucks. Uh, they're a feel-good story to start the year, and I'd like them to keep on rolling. And that will do it for the week three picks. Okay, that took me 21 minutes. This podcast has got to be over an hour. Okay, catch you back here in like 10 seconds for our final segment on this date in sports history september 21st 20 let me do that again sorry september 21st 2001 we all know that 10 days prior was 9 11 okay two planes crashed into the world trade center Countless number of lives were lost, first responders, families were uprooted and ended in a flash, in a blink of an eye, all led by a terrorist and just an evil plot to kill Americans, okay? Baseball was put on hold. The Mets finally, when they finally came back to play in New York, it was electric, the stadium was on fire. It was a divisional game against the Atlanta Braves, and although the Mets weren't going anywhere that season, they weren't playing some inspired baseball. I can vaguely remember when the Yankees came back to New York City, but this this game with Mike Piazza and this home run that you're about to hear is basically what everybody remembers when they think of 9-11 and sports and this was a real special moment. So just take a listen and enjoy. A wonderful night at State Stadium as baseball comes back to New York for the first time since the tragic events of September 11. Here's the man. The Mets want up in this spot. Down a run late in the game. And it's a deep to left center. This one has a chance. run right, Mike Piazza. For those 10 seconds, everything was fine. And there was elation and happiness when they were on their feet when that ball went over the fence. It's really tough to put in perspective. All I can say is we're just so happy that uh, these people came out and uh, gave us something to share about. All righty, everybody. That's going to do it for this episode. Episode, what did I say at the top of the hour? 18. Wow, 18 weeks in already. If you don't know, I didn't mention it actually at the top of the hour as well. Robert Frank and the crew are back from Vegas. They are just back from Olympia. We had an episode on Wednesday, Glorious House of Gains. That was our longest episode, so go check that out if you like. Please leave a five-star rating of that show. Leave a comment as well. And As always, please hit me up on iTunes. Hit that five-star. Leave a comment, some feedback if you like. And on the Anchor app, you're more than welcome to leave me a voice message. If you do so, I will play that in the in an upcoming episode and give you a shout-out, good or bad. I will play it. I don't care. I welcome all feedback. I'm trying to get a little bit better. I'm trying to progress this show and just do better each and every week. So I'm going to leave it there. I hope you guys enjoy Your weekend. I'm going to go watch some football, maybe play a little video games. It's been a while. I can't say go Jets because they just played last night and they lost. And frankly, I don't even want to talk about the Jets anymore. I'm all jetted out. But go fantasy football. My team is looking to stay undefeated. I got off to a good start already. I'm excited. Let's get the show on the road. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. Take care. I'll see you back here next Friday.